Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message. So today we're talking about forgiveness. One of the most, the hardest thing that we can be doing as Christians. In fact, it kind of goes along with what we talked about last week as as far as where uh, suffering and pain comes into the world. But this is basically part two. Because in order to get over the suffering and pain, we've got to do this. And so in Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is what we call the Beatitudes of Jesus. And in this section of the Bible, Jesus says some pretty crazy and unusual things to those who want to be his followers. Uh, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the, those that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are uh, those uh, peacemakers. Blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you because of me. He says that thinking about hurting somebody is murder. Thinking about another person with lust is adultery. If someone hits you, then you give them the other side of your face, right? Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. The sun rises on the evil and the good. Uh, the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you forgive men when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you oh we'd love that part but he doesn't stop he says but if you do not forgive men their sins your father will not forgive your sins and on and on it goes in john chapter 6 verse 66 so 666 is where i always remind remember this is a lot of jesus followers his students stopped following him because these kinds of teachings were difficult they didn't want any part of this and that tells you how serious the subject matter is Our world tells us the opposite, though, because everything within us wants to retaliate and get even and bring the same uh, the same level of hurt others have laid at our table. You know, make them pay, uh, seek revenge, and you all know what I'm talking about because you've been there, you thought this, you've you've even experienced it yourself and been guilty of it. But many of you know that that feeling of being hit in the face. You've gone through some type of physical pain. Uh, But for many of you, what's what's worse than even the physical pain is the emotional scars. Uh, that are left and what you have to work through. How can I forgive those who have hurt me? You see, forgiveness is one of the major themes of Christianity. If there were no forgiveness, then none of us would be worthy or able to be uh, with Jesus, right? Because it's one thing to receive forgiveness from our Heavenly Father and from other people. It's something totally different to offer forgiveness for those who have hurt us. On, on the, one of the hardest spiritual disciplines for Christians or followers of Jesus, those who want to be followers of Jesus, is to have uh, to, or have to learn to the areas, uh, to learn this and have, uh, allow your heart to develop and mature in this thing called forgiveness of other people. We have to have this happen in our own lives. And, and, and Christian Christ-like forgiveness is, is a command, but it's also a command that you get to choose to make like anything else Jesus puts out on our table, right? It's tough and demanding character decision that requires humility and long-suffering and, and wisdom. As imperfect humans, we will never reach the place where we will not need to be forgiven by someone, including God himself. 
And so we actually need to know how to forgive as God has forgiven us because there is no relationship that exists for very long without tensions and conflicts. There is no human relationship uh, that exists without the possibility of pain and injury and suffering and separation. The hurts are always there. And so practicing real Christian forgiveness will have some of, uh, of our most testing life experiences. Jesus promised in, in Matthew 18, woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. And that sin brings heartache and suffering into our relationships. And so how do we handle or cope with the hurts and the heartaches that, that have and will happen uh, to us from other people, whether it was intentional or unintentional? Because forgiveness is very difficult to put into practice. Forgiveness is expensive. It's going to cost somebody something. Why? Because forgiveness is nothing less than, to, than the mental and emotional process of releasing someone from a very expensive debt that they owe you. Church, I know this subject matter is, is very difficult, uh, but, but genuine forgiveness is, is therapeutic, it's life-giving, and it's life-changing. I'm telling you firsthand, okay? In the Old Testament story of Joseph, if you remember, found in, in uh, Genesis chapter 50, we see him forgiving the horrible and treacherous act upon him from his own brothers. And all these years later, he's second in command... In Egypt, and his brothers in Israel with his dad have to come over to Egypt to find food because there's such a famine going on. And they, they finally recognize their brother after they, he recognized them. And he's angry. He's angry. He wants to kill them all. But he doesn't. And his brothers, when they finally recognize him, they're fearful that their lives are going to end. And yet Joseph says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And so the prophet Hosea was able to rise to the same level uh, spiritually uh, by forgiving his wife who kept sleeping around on him and going back to her old job as a prostitute. Hosea chapter 3, uh, Hosea's having a real problem because she's gone again and he's crying out to God and the Lord said, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred. You keep doing this, Hosea, because I want my, my people, my chosen people, to know how much I love them. And Jesus extended forgiveness to Peter in John chapter 21. I mean, you talk about the ultimate betrayal. He denied knowing his Savior. He had an opportunity to shine, and he, 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 he betrayed his Lord. Jesus even forgave those in real time as they're executing him on the cross, if you remember. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We can all agree that a deeply wounded person struggles as they try to forgive one's offender. We've, we've all been there at some point. The spouse whose spouse had an affair mourns both the injustice and the loss of their exclusive relationship. The, 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 offender try, or the offended tries to forgive, but those images keep popping back up into their head, and they're learning that forgiveness is a lot of hard work. The co-worker who took the credit for someone else's idea and soon you know, receives all undeserved praise and a promotion destroying a good friendship with distrust and bitterness. They try to forgive and move on, but the, job keeps, the, the boss keeps talking about how awesome so-and-so is, and those, those, reminders, those painful reminders keep popping up into your head, and you begin to learn how, how hard forgiveness is. A young kid is sexually abused by a friend or a neighbor or a family member, and now being married, that hurt and that anger and those 
those doubts in their own life begins to surface at unexpected times and it causes misunderstanding within the marriage because they have a difficult time relating to their spouse because of what happened to them a long time ago and so it goes. Life treats us all unfairly at times because we live in a fallen world. We talked about all that last week. We can usually forgive, you know, the little bitty hits that come from other people. Not everybody can forgive even the little stuff. But many of those hurts and injustices take a long time as we work through that raw reaction and those deep scars. Some think that if they forgive, they're condoning what happened. No, you're not. Church, did God ever condone the sins of the Israelites each time he chose to forgive them? No. Did Jesus uh, condone uh, uh, the the adulterous woman's sin when, when she was brought before him? No. He didn't condemn nor condone, but he told her to to go and and leave your life of sin. That's what he told her. The danger and the consequences on us, if we don't follow what Jesus says in this this hard subject, if we don't, if we try to forgive any wounds, thinking that it's just going to go away, it's not going to go away. It's always going to be there. But if you, cho- and if you choose to repress the pain and not in your forgiveness, you know, just have a conversation with a person who hurt you, as Jesus stated here, then the pain will pop up at, uh, uh, at inconvenient times and it begin to ruin you at your core. And I thank God and love people who, uh, who have called me out in my stupidity, in my sin, in a private and loving way. I thank God for them. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 18 what we need to do to actually bury the pain that brought onto us by other people so it doesn't destroy us or our relationships with other people or our witness. And I'm going to just encourage you, do not waste your time and energy on the wrong done to you. Do not allow people to rent space in your head because what you're doing is you're giving them the ultimate control of everything that happened a long time ago. And that's on you. The highest form of punishment, or I hate to use the word revenge, is silence. Just ignore them. And you start honoring God. Because Jesus, God himself said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. God's going to take care of it one way or the other. And trust him. But Tim, I, 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 I can't do this. I mean, it all sounds good, you know, when you're preaching and it's on paper, things like that. But how do I forgive someone who will not or, or can't admit to or apologize for the wrongdoing, right? And I get that some people have already died. You can't have a conversation with them. And I would encourage you just to go to their, their gravesite and have that conversation. It might feel a little weird, but close the chapter. Move on. And I don't mean that flippantly. I, I, seriously, allow God to help you move forward. Uh, some people, uh, you know, they, they, their hearts are so hard and they might even enjoy knowing that they hurt you. you. You can't do anything with that. But do your part and then let God deal with the rest. The wounded Christian might even say that they have no obligation to forgive someone if that person has not asked for forgiveness. You know, this is a dangerous way to think. And to live for anyone. We are to offer forgiveness even if the offender is unrepentant. It doesn't mean that you have to, to, to be bosom buddies with this person, take them out for dinner, buy them a Christmas gift, be Facebook friends. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to do any of that. It, do, it does mean uh, that we do as Christ said to do if we want true and complete uh, healing from the pain. 
The, the scars are always going to be there, and for the most part, you're not going to forget because you choose not to. In Matthew 18, Peter asks this question of Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus says, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And Jesus, as he's looking at the disciples' face, he recognizes he's going to have to explain a little deeper than this because they're confused. Like, what? Are you serious? And so he shares a story with them conveying the importance of the continuation of of forgiveness. And so he starts in verse 23 here. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with all his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to to pay off the debt, which was never going to happen. And a disservant, he fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Everything. The master knew, nah, that's not going to happen. But the master, the servant's master took pity on him and canceled his entire debt and let him go. And But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back everything that you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I will repay my debt. But he refused. And instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened here, they were, it says they were outraged and they went back to their master and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called that particular servant back in and he called, said, you wicked servant, I canceled all of your debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have shown mercy on your fellow servant as I had you? And in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. And then Jesus says this, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Not from your head, not on paper, not with mouth, but from your heart. You see, forgiveness is important to God. If we're going to be people who find the ability to do what seems to be impossible, forgiving those who have hurt us and kicked us around, then we need God to work in our hearts and, 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 and minds to make this even possible. And my prayer um, is that many of you today will let your heart begin the slow, painful, but always freeing process of forgiving those who have hurt you. Peter basically asks, what are the, 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 the uh, uh, rules of being a, a good Jew? How many times do I need to forgive somebody? And he throws out, you know, the number seven there. You can see that. But in the, in the Old Testament book of Amos, it, it talked about the, the custom being three times. Because, you know, God forgives the Israelites and God forgives the enemies of the Israels three different times here before punishing them. Basically, three strikes and you're out, Right? Teachers and rabbis in Jesus' time taught that a person should forgive someone three times and then be done with them. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. But, and since that was the prevalent teacher, uh, teaching, Peter says, well, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? So he just throws out that number because he knew that Jesus always raised the standard. He always raised what we're supposed to do. He didn't keep it at a minimum. He raised the standards. Maybe Peter's thinking that he's going to be praised by Jesus for suggesting seven times because that was two and a half times over than what the teaching was of his day. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus throws out this insane number. 
Think about this. Some translations might say 77 times. Others might say uh, 70 times, uh, uh, 7, 490 times. And we focus on the number. But that's not, the, the, that's not the point. The point is not the numbers because the intent is not to keep a record of wrongs. 1 Corinthians 13, if you want to have the love of God in your heart and you want to be a person who expresses the love that God has for you, we keep no record of wrongs according to, to God's word. In 1 Corinthians 13, well, I've forgiven the person 20 times. Oh, now it's 70 times. Oh, 480 times, 89 times. He's got one more chance. That is not what Jesus is saying. He is saying forgive continually. And we don't understand that concept. When Jesus uses the term king, he's usually talking about his heavenly father. So this, this parable is all about God and us. That's what's going on here. The debt that this guy owed to the king was 10,000 bags of gold. In today's money, that's well over a billion dollars. In verses 100 silver coins, silver is, is $23 an ounce right now. Okay, This is a huge disparity and in contrast in value and no one could pay it back and that was the point. Jesus say, is saying the 10,000 bags of gold uh, represents each one of your sins and each one of my sins and, and everybody out there, each one of their sins. The, it's so astronomical, there's no way that a person was going to be able to pay it back. And then Jesus drives home the point with a serious warning in verse 34. In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay it back. And this is how my heavenly father, referring to God, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is tough stuff because our nature wants revenge when someone hurts us. Even King Louis VII said, nothing smells so sweet as a dead body of your enemy. I don't know what that smells like. And honestly, I, I pray I never know what that smells like. If you want to understand a real life a situation of forgiveness, then I would encourage you to read The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. Some of you have already read it. Maybe you read it back in grade school, junior high, you forgot all about it. Get it and read it again because she's got a powerful story in there where she's at either a worship center or some seminar and, and she's, she meets up with one of the men that killed her family and friends at a concentration camp and he's standing at the door ready, ready to shake her hand or get a hug and she's like, oh boy, now my faith is being tested there's nothing wrong with wanting the person to experience justice for something they've done i get it that's normal god created each of us with this uh, this instinct uh, uh for justice right uh, and, and he promised though that ultimately he was going to take care of it and so we've got to learn to trust god this isn't about trusting God with our money and everything else in life. This is about trusting God with everything. But so in this crooked and depraved generation in which we live, there are a lot of crimes and a lot of wounds that can mess with the mind and the heart and make it extremely tough to forgive anyone. We can talk all day long about a lot of different levels and kinds of hurt that people experience in this world, right? And when I listen to someone talk about something that, oh, you know, they didn't wave at me on the street or they forgot my name or they didn't send me a card or, and the list goes on and on, I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. Let me take you to somebody who's actually forgiven somebody over something so serious and you're worried about this little stuff. But I can't take that pain away from them. That's, that's how they're living right now. That's real to them. And it would be foolish for me to say, oh, you're being stupid. I can't do that. 
People have to learn to walk through some of the pain they go through. Some of the most difficult offenses to forgive are when a person has experienced physical or sexual abuse. And even more difficult to comprehend is it happening to a child. It's wrong. It suggests, uh, it, it shows a, a disregard to God. The one who holds up the innocence of a little child for us to be able to come to him. As these little children and as Christians, we're not immune to such illegal or, or, or immoral crimes. And the root cause is what? Sin. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you aren't le- uh, there aren't you know, legal or re- relational consequences as a result of someone's behavior. I'm not saying that at all. Forgiving those who have hurt us is one of the hardest uh, things as humans that we've been asked to do. Because, you know, there are times, a lot of us, you know, we, we have this feeling of anger and resentment. It, it, it causes us to feel, like, yeah, you know, I'm justified in feeling this way. We all, we all go there at some level. I can feel this way if I want. But we're being like, we, I mean, we like being in charge and holding someone hostage because of our hurts. We, we, we can feel as if, you know, we deserve to be angry and mad all the time. And we can, you know, let a grudge fester because we've been wronged. We don't want to let people off the hook. And that's when, our, that's when our anger has been turned into sin. And then God will judge you just as harshly. Think about the whole process here. When we do this, it reveals a huge flaw in our understanding of what forgiveness is. It's not, it's not letting people off the hook for wrongs committed. It's letting the people who know that you love them in spite of the wrongs that they have committed against you. Or people that you love or know. And it doesn't, it doesn't give you the right, though, to pound on them and to degrade them. Read Paul's letter to the First and Second Corinthian church. Church, we, we've got to understand this. You can't do this by yourself. I understand this. Believe me, it needs to be a partnership between you and God. A lot of prayer, maybe a, a need for professional counseling, encouragement from brothers and sisters in Christ, and a lot of love, and an understanding that it's not going to happen over, overnight for some. It can take a, a long, long time, years for some people to overcome this. Matthew 19 and Mark 10 and Luke 18, it says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. It, it, is impo- or it is possible to forgive people for the worst of human offenses if you choose to. But that can only happen through Jesus. Paul says in your anger, do not sin. Ephesians chapter 4. It's okay to be angry, but don't allow bitterness and hate to take over because that will destroy you and cause you to sin, sin against God. And, and, and hatred plus for unforgiveness equals bitterness. If over time you don't forgive, it will eat you up and the bitterness and resentment will consume you and in turn you will start to unintentionally hurt the people you love. Ripple effect. It happens. Chuck Swindoll said this, there is no torment like the inner torment of bitterness, which is the byproduct of an unforgiving spirit. It refuses to be soothed, it refuses to be healed, it refuses to forget. There is no prison more damaging than the bars of bitterness that will not, let, uh, will not let the battle end. Someone else said, resentment is like drinking a bottle of poison yourself but waiting for the other person to die. The Christian is to get rid of every form of malice and practice forgiveness because God has forgiven us. 
The Hebrew writer says in chapter 12, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see God. See to it that no one misses the grace of God, even those that have hurt you. They are not to miss the grace of God, just like you haven't been, you have not missed the grace of God because somebody else introduced you to Jesus, no matter what you've done in this world. And he goes on to say that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. God says not to let bitterness take root because the deeper that root grows the deeper it goes the tougher it is to get rid of the grace he mentioned is giving someone something they do not deserve and that leads to forgiveness and peace that's what god has done for us paul says in romans chapter 12 don't repay anyone evil for evil if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Why does he put these qualifiers in their church? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Because he knows that there are some people that you will never be able to live at peace with. He understands this, but he says this, you make certain that it's not for a lack of you doing your part as a child of God. You, you hit the ball in their court and let them respond, and if they don't reciprocate, if they want to live their life of bitterness and whatever, that's on them. But you can sleep with a clear conscience knowing that you put it out there on the table. While peace may not be possible, forgiveness is. Because you can forgive the person and you can move forward as God has done for each of us. Jesus shares one of the most terrifying verses in all of the Bible in Matthew chapter, 16, or chapter 6 verse 14. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. What are the wages of sin? Death. Spiritual death. Eternal death. Jesus doesn't specify the kind of sins. He just says sins. And we get hung up on the different kinds. So I can forgive, I can forgive, oh, I can't forgive that. Really? That's not what Jesus said. Remember the, the, the apostle, uh, one of the apostles, Paul, who, who wrote most of the New Testament, he went after Christians and he had them put in prison and waited for them to be murdered because of their faith in Jesus? You can't get any worse than that kind of sin against humanity and God. And so Paul was able to speak to this subject matter very easily, very clearly. There are many people who hear a minister talk about forgiveness and they think he doesn't know what, they're, what the heck they're talking about, right? They assume that we've never uh, you know, experienced hurt and suffering and so we don't have have the right to encourage you to forgive because we don't know what it is really to suffer in this world. I've had a lot of people assume that of me, and honestly, that offends me. <laughs> uh, that since you know, I always talk about what an awesome childhood I had. I was able. I, I had a wonderful, wonderful parents, loving home. I uh, spent a lot of time with my grandparents, my cousins, my my aunts and uncles. And it, it was a good life, and I'll be the first to admit it was a good life. I had a beautiful ch childhood, and so I. I, I, can, I can speak to this subject matter with a little authority. My journey learning this forgiveness thing began in the late 90s, or late 60s. Um, I wasn't going to start crying. 
<laughs> I'm not sharing this for anybody to feel sorry for me. I never felt like I was on an island by myself somewhere, fending for myself because nobody knew. I'm not sharing so that you think you have to. This, this is not about what happened. I'm sharing so that you understand without a doubt that I can speak to this extremely difficult spiritual discipline of forgiveness. I'm telling you, hoping and praying that you will understand that there is a better way. That others have gone through hell and back because through Jesus Christ it is possible to overcome the suffering inflicted to us by other people and to forgive as Jesus has forgiven us. I've never blamed God. Never blamed my parents. I didn't even blame myself. I, I just didn't understand. I won't, I won't ever share the name or the class picture of the, the, my, my classmate that, that walked me into the lion's den. I won't share with you the name because he's, he's dead. I will not be used as an instrument to destroy the lives of innocent people because of something that happened to me. I, I never shared what happened with my parents, especially my dad. Some of you have heard stories about my dad, and this happened before he became a Christian. If my dad would have found out, my sisters and I would have been without a dad, and my mom would have been without a husband. Because my dad would have killed this person, without a doubt. I almost shared it back in the 90s in the old church, and I got to the, where I was about ready to share it, and I saw my parents, I just, I just couldn't do it. I said, one day. One day before I retire. <laughs> but here's my story. Every day we would walk to Bingham Elementary School as a long block, and I'd walk with my sisters and Lisa Bonebreak and some other friends, David Linsky and, and uh, David Myers and the Turley you know, boys, and, and I was, always felt safe. It was a wonderful life. And I don't know what happened on this particular day, but I was, I was home, walking home by myself, and there was another kid in my class following me. Hey, I want you to meet somebody. I didn't think nothing of it. Right there on, Forced, or on 3rd Street, on the corner of Mirrorfield and 3rd Street, there was a bunch of brick buildings, and the lower parts were businesses, and the uh, upper, upper parts in the back room uh, places were, were apartments. And he took me into this apartment and closed the door. It was dark. You had the two lights on either end of the room. And I remember, I remember the smell. I can still remember the smell. The, the two lights had those incandescent light bulbs, you know, and it kind of looked like Tiffany shades. It had the different color panels. I remember the rocking chair. I remember the man sitting in there with an afghan over his lap. I remember him telling the other boy to, to go in the other room. And I, I don't need to go into any detail. That was the time I didn't know, the second time it was forced into the apartment. But from that point on, I would always run home without stopping. 
And if I saw that kid walking down that side of the road, I went down my alley, ran the whole way, or went around the entire block on 4th Street until I come back home. Until they got those, those green little things that the parents put on their windows for safe places. You could run to those homes if something happened. And so my friend David Linsky, his mom always had one, and so I knew if I was going down that way, I could always run to her house. Because she was always home. And uh, I didn't understand what was going on. But over the years, you know, my parents weren't Christians, and my dad and mom would send us to the Wesleyan Church here on 12th Street. It's a, it's a church of Christ now. I, I don't know if it's a cappella. I just saw that a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and speaking of, I used to always go over to the neighborhood, and I'd park in front of where those buildings used to be, and I'd pray for this person and this, this kid, my classmate. I'd pray, Lord, I don't know where these people are. I pray that they've come to know you. And I, I forgave that stuff a long time ago. But over the next few years, you know, at the Westland Church, I became friends with the preacher's boy, David. And during this, this whole process, still trying to figure out everything that was going on, um, he went on a vacation with the family, and he never came back because he was at his grandpa's house and fell out of a tree, broke his neck, and I lost my friend. All this, all this going on. After he died, my parents came back to the Lord. We started going to Melbourne, and once again, I'm learning about Jesus, who this man really is. Just stay focused on him. And I learned to forgive on a much deeper level than what so many of us think that forgiveness is. All those verses, you know, at both these churches, we had con contests all the time, competition, and and we would memorize the Proverbs and the Psalms, and, and it just happened over and over again. And, and, and I, all these encounters after the, this particular thing and um, losing my friend, it just had a, a profound effect on my life and my spirit and, and what I experienced and how Tim Stewart was going to deal with it. I never allowed what someone else did to me to ruin Tim Stewart and what God was trying to mold out of my life. I just wasn't going to do it. And I didn't even understand any of this crap. But, but there, there, there were a couple things I do recognize that had an impact on my life. I became a lot more introvert. I was very, a very shy kid to begin with. I, I became paranoid to the point that I paid unhealthy attention to my surroundings and, 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 and became more afraid of the dark uh, more than what creature feature could ever do. My mom always made us watch creature feature and I was, you know, I used to blame that on my my fear of the dark, you know, Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney and Bella Lugosi. <laughs> That's part of it. I look back on those things and I'm thinking, wow, what stupid movies. But on the positive, I began to dig into God's word. And, and, and try to create moments of laughter when my heart was broke. Not just for me, but for, for other people. And I try to use laughter, which God says is good for the soul. Pro Proverbs 17 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I didn't get the, the second half of that, but a cheerful heart is good medicine, church. It really is. Job says, a good God will yet fill my mouth with laughter and, and your lips with shouts of joy. And, and I learned to use a little laughter to cover over the pain of myself and other people, the, the crap that went on, goes on in this world. That's how I get through this stuff. And I can't wait 
I can't wait for Jesus to return for his church. But in the meantime, we got a job to do. We got people out there on their way to hell because the church is going to waddle around in their self-pity all, all, all their lives, and I'm not going to do that. I refuse to do that. I believe if you live your life, and please understand how I process this, because I don't know if this is going to make some people mad, but I, I've learned if you live your life in a constant state of seeing yourself as nothing more than a victim, then you end up becoming your own oppressor. And I won't do that. I will not claim victimhood to anyone. A few years ago, somebody tried to throw that at me, and honestly, that, that really made me mad. I, I was probably the angriest I've been in a long time. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. If I didn't claim victimhood as something that happened 55 years ago, why would I do so if something so stupid? But they don't know my story. So I can't be mad at them, can I? They didn't know my story. If we are to live, if I were to live my life like that, then I would be giving that, that person power and control over my mind, my heart, my soul, and my strength. And my life and existence would be in their dead, cold hands this day because of the hurt they inflicted on me. And my God and my Lord will only be the ones who will own, have ownership of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Church, I know this is painful and, 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 and suffering I, I know the pain and suffering that people can bring to your life, but I also know that God has told me to release the things that can hold me back and ruin me and keep God from forgiving me. I, I know that my identity is found in Jesus Christ, not what anybody can do to me or had done to me. That's why I can forgive as Jesus forgave me. Honestly, I'm surprised I even cried. Because I've... I try to honor God in everything that I've done. But again, that's why I can speak. That's why I will not uh, hate on people or judge anyone who has allowed the devil to trick them into acting like anything but Jesus would towards myself or other people that I know. I will continue to forgive and I will continue to counsel and I will continue to encourage and, and to love as Jesus loved me. That's why I can speak into this. Not, 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 not what happened to me. Honestly, it's unimportant. What's important is that I will allow Jesus to continue to use me in my life. That's why and that's how that I've been able to overcome this and let it go a long time ago. The how comes from God's word in that all things are possible with Jesus Christ according to Paul in Philippians. He who is in you, the Holy Spirit, is stronger than he who is in the world referring to Satan, right? 1 John 4. I know that some of you in here have experienced some great harm and your soul, your spirit is suffering right now. I encourage you not to blame God, but the rightful owner of the suffering and chaos in this world, and that's Satan. Paul talks about that in his letter. But allow me to encourage you to experience a life-giving and amazing and freeing relationship that is only found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you want to experience his peace and joy and forgiveness, then you must offer the same to other people. Because according to the word of God, the only way to get it is to give it. And then Jesus said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And then Peter writes, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you, the church, should follow in his steps.
And I decided a long time ago to move forward by not allowing hurt to control me, but allowing Jesus to be honored in my life as best I can. I've, I've failed miserably. I get that. But that's not what we're talking about here. And I pray, though, that you can do the same. Next week, we're going to hear from a brother, uh, Tom Jones, who was used as an instrument to you know, bring this church out here to this spot and kind of where we're at today. And because uh, and, all, all that happened in the 60s, the late 60s, when the things were happening to me in the late 60s, and God has brought it all together. God is never late. He's always on time. I pray that you're here next week because Tom Jones is going to be talking to us and answering the question on why we continue to give thanks for one If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.